you for joining me on another episode of Paranormally Speaking. I'm your host, Neil Parks. Enjoy the ride. Till death. This was Sarah's first real home with Rick. It wasn't an apartment or a house on loan from a family member. They started renting this dream home soon after their wedding. The modest and inviting White House was nestled on a small lot in the heart of the historical downtown district of Boston. It appeared to be the perfect opportunity to start their lives together. Rick and Sarah were newlyweds and were immediately drawn to this perfect little home. For months, the couple enjoyed furnishing and decorating their first real home. They loved living downtown. In the beginning, they thought it was just the noises of a really old house settling. Then strange things began to happen. The first night of the morning slipped around the edges of the white ruffled curtains as the young bride snuggled under the covers. Returning to sleep, she was suddenly startled by noises coming from the kitchen down below. The sounds of dishes clattering, water running, and cupboard doors opening and closing. She soon realized she wasn't home alone in the house. The sound of footsteps on the stairs soon followed the earlier noises. One by one, the footsteps were slow and steady. The stairs were creaking and then the footsteps were heard in the hallway. The footsteps stopped short of her closed bedroom door. Rick? She whispered. She was white knuckling her pillow, not knowing who or what was near her door. Was it an intruder lingering outside her bedroom? Could this be more of the ongoing issues that they have experienced? It went on quite a while before they accepted the fact that there was a restless spirit refusing to let go. When her husband left for work, she would always climb back under the covers, resting before her shift at the hospital later in the day. As she was fading in and out of sleeping and waking up, Sarah would hear movements and sounds downstairs. Sarah became concerned. It sounded like someone doing dishes, only the dishes were already clean and in the cupboard. This time felt very different from the early encounters with the phantom noises and movements. This was the first time the footsteps were heard in the hall and near the door. Rick, she whispered once more, only a bit louder this time. There was no response. She started to stiffen and reach for the baseball bat to the right of their headboard. Sarah walked softly toward the door with the bat in her hand. She was ready for a fight if she had to defend herself. The house was in a safe and upscale neighborhood, but this new noise made her nervous. She carefully placed her hand on the doorknob and jerked open the door. Sarah leapt into the hall, violently swinging the ball bat in every direction she could swing it. There was nothing near her door or in the hall that she could see. Without a second thought, Sarah shouted aloud for whomever or whatever could hear. This isn't funny. Cut the crap out already. I'm trying to sleep. Sarah wasn't really expecting a response to her surprise, though. The laughter of a child could be heard coming from the other end of the hall. Sarah was facing the direction of where the laughter came from. There was nothing physically there, but the laughter was still present. 
Sarah lowered the bat and stepped back into her room. She shut and locked the door. She wasn't expecting a response, especially one of that magnitude. Sarah was completely creeped out by the encounter. Dishes clattering, cabinet doors opening and closing, footsteps and floors creaking was one thing, but phantom laughter was an entirely different level. Sarah went ahead and got ready early for her shift. She told herself that she could go to the staff rooms at the hospital and catch up on her sleep. She was too spooked at this point to stay home and sleep. Sarah was quick about getting herself ready. She focused only on the task at hand, and that was to get ready and get out. After getting dressed, Sarah grabbed her phone and purse. She made a mad dash for the front door and headed outside. Her nerves were unsettled as she turned to lock the door. She called Rick on the way to work. He didn't answer, and the call went to his voicemail. Damn it, Rick, pick up! Sarah shouted into the phone. She threw her phone in anger and bounced it on the floor. Rick was busy and always kept his phone on vibrate while at work. Sarah was hoping that being at work would keep her mind off of what was happening at home. A few hours would pass before Rick would make it home. His routine was simple. He would pull up to the sidewalk, fumble with his keys, let himself in, and toss his keys on the marble foyer table. Rick was so exhausted that he would just go and find a place to lie down for a while. He walked into the living room and dropped into the recliner. As he kicked back to activate the footrest, he fell fast asleep. A few hours went by, and the house was now shrouded in darkness. The sun had set and night had fallen. Rick had slept like the dead. Something familiar started to wake him up from his nap. Soft kisses were being applied to his neck, and the feeling of Sarah crawling onto his lap and straddling him in the recliner was a welcome surprise. You're home early. Did you take some personal time and run home to play around? Keep doing what you're doing, Sarah, Rick said as she continued to kiss his neck and rub his chest. Rick was more than awake from his nap at this point. He started to return the kisses and run his finger through her hair. Sarah's hair felt different. It was always smooth and thick. Now it felt dry with tight curls. Wow, babe, did you hit the salon on the way home? What did you do differently? Rick said as he reached to turn on the floor lamp to get a better look. Upon turning on the light, Rick was surprised to see that it wasn't Sarah who was on top of him. The girl who had been doing these things to him was a young blonde girl with deep blue eyes and a painted on smile. She was wearing a flowing gown that wasn't common for this time period, and she smelled like roses and powder. What the hell? Who are you? How did you get in here? Rick shouted. As he pushed her off of him and rolled out of his chair, he stood up expecting that this girl was some pillhead or a transient looking for some stuff to steal. Rick reached for the fire poker next to his chair, but the girl simply vanished before his eyes. What the? Rick said to himself. The sounds of footsteps running up the stairs could be heard. A door slammed, and the sound of a girl crying soon followed. Rick was at a total loss for words as to what his next move should be. The ringing of his cell phone broke his concentration. With his hand shaking, he reached for the phone. H hello? H hello? 
Rick said in a stammering manner. He didn't even bother to check the caller ID on his phone. Rick just reached for it and picked it up. Sarah was on the other end of the phone. Rick, you sound weird. Are you okay? Sarah asked. Me? Am I okay? You're not going to believe what just happened here, Rick replied. He went on from there to tell her everything that had just occurred. Rick held nothing back. Rick, you're not going to believe what happened to me, Sarah responded. Rick listened with open ears to her experience from earlier in the day as well. Sarah's shift would be ending in a couple of hours. They both decided to meet at their new favorite coffee house that was down the street. There, they would discuss face-to-face what their next move was going to be. After ending the phone call, Rick slipped his shoes back onto his feet and grabbed his keys. He had no intentions of sitting alone in that house any longer than he had to. The sound of water running could be heard coming from upstairs. Rick's focus shifted from the front door to the upstairs at that point. What's that? Rick said aloud. He walked slowly to the bottom of the staircase. Hello? Rick called out, hoping for a reply. Heavy sobbing could be heard coming from the upstairs. Rick thought to himself, this is nuts. Who the hell is that? He slowly started to climb the stairs, one foot in front of the other. Rick's heart began beating faster with every step he took. The closer he got to the top of the stairs, the louder the crying got, and the more the water was running. Who's up there? Show yourself! Rick shouted. He was at the top of the stairs before he noticed that water was all over the floor in the front of the bathroom. Without a second thought, Rick walked down the hall towards the bathroom. The door was cracked and he pushed it the rest of the way open. Upon peering into the bathroom, Rick was dumbstruck by what he saw. Lying face down in the bathtub was a woman in what looked like a wedding gown. Water was overflowing and saturating the runner of the hallway. Rick ran into the bathroom in an attempt to help this mystery woman who was in the tub. He tried to stop short of the clawfoot tub, but the floor was too wet, and he slipped. Rick's head made contact with the edge of the tub. His feet bounced off and threw him back to the floor with extreme force. Rick's head smacked hard on the tile floor. He had the wind knocked out of him and didn't feel as if he could get back up. The room started spinning, and he could feel himself fading in and out of consciousness. The woman who he saw lying face down in the water-filled tub was now standing over him. It was the same blonde girl who he had encountered downstairs. His head started to pound. The mystery woman knelt down, smiled compassionately at him, and grabbed his hand to hold. Rick placed his other hand at the base of his head and brought his hand back to his face. My hand is covered in blood. On my head, Rick thought to himself before he passed out. He awoke what felt like only moments later. He found himself walking along the street. He had no idea where he was and how he had ended up there. How did I end up here? Where am I? Rick said aloud. It was now daytime, and the first person on his mind was Sarah. He searched feverishly for his phone, but it wasn't on him. He approached a woman walking near him. Excuse me, miss, where am I right now? Do you know the time? Rick asked as he approached her. The woman let out a scream and ran away from him. Rick was surprised and just as scared as she was. Rick kept walking as he could only think about Sarah. 
everyone he approached seemed to be scared of him and would run away. This confused Rick greatly. He finally decided to hail a taxi and give the driver his address. The taxi driver took one look at him and sped away. Frustrated, Rick found a man using a phone. He ran over to him and begged him to use it. The man threw his phone at Rick and ran away. What the hell is wrong with you people? I need help. Why will no one help? Rick cried aloud. Rick noticed that the man he approached threw his cell phone at him. He ran over and picked it up in order to call Sarah. Rick quickly dialed her number and waited. A strange man answered her phone. Rick shouted into the phone, Sarah, Sarah, who the hell is this? I need to speak with Sarah. Where is my wife? The voice responded, Sir, I think you have the wrong number. Who are you trying to reach? Rick fired back. Who am I trying to reach? Who the hell is this? I'm calling my wife's number, Sarah Sullivan. This is Rick, her husband. There was a long pause on the other end of the phone, followed by the stranger clearing his throat. He responded, Sir, I'm really sorry. I'm certain that you have the wrong number. Uh, Mrs. Sullivan is making arrangements for her husband's funeral. He's going to be buried in a couple of days. He died at their home last night. Horrified by this news, Rick dropped the phone and fell back against the store window. He turned and looked at his reflection in the glass and saw blood all over the top of his head and a huge bruise on his forehead and the side of his face was swollen and red. Standing next to him was the same mystery woman from his house. She was the same woman who he had an encounter with in the recliner and was holding his hand as he was lying on the floor. She said to Rick, it's going to be fine, my love. You will be with me forever now. Death has brought us together. Rick let out a guttural scream. No! no! longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Police can't find cause of demonic sounds at a Colorado restaurant. Imagine you're in a fast food restaurant at 3 a.m. Yes, you're probably drunk and or hungover. You hear someone screaming and making demonic sounds. Do you, A, check to see if they're coming from you? B, ask for your Happy Meal to go and run like crazy? Or C, wait for the police to show up because this is the most fun you've had at 3 a.m. in ages. Now, let's say you're an employee at the same fast food restaurant at the same ungodly hour when you hear the same ungodly scream. Do you A, quit and run, B, make the new kid check it out, or C, wait for the police to show up because this is the most fun you've had at 3 a.m. in ages? Fortunately, the staff at a McDonald's in Pueblo, Colorado, chose another option. 
which is why we have an unofficial record of this mysterious incident. February 13th, PPD watch at about 3.30 a.m. this morning, officers responded to a business in the area of Pueblo Boulevard and Northern. Employees reported hearing a woman screaming and making demonic sounds to include speaking in strange language and barking. They were so unnerved by the sounds that they said they would not be going back outside their building until after the sun came up. Three officers searched the area but didn't come up with the the source of the disturbance. Pueblo Police Captain Tom Rummel gave his report on the department's Twitter feed, where it was picked up and reported by the Pueblo Chieftain and Crickets. There have been no other reports as of this writing of any of these or other demonic screams at this McDonald's. What could have created sounds so horrifying that the employees, after even getting an all clear from the cops, refused to enter or, sorry, exit the building until daylight? Was it an ill woman, as some suggest, a prankster, or something more sinister? Pueblo is an old, old West city with many reasons to be haunted. The Fort Pueblo Massacre that occurred on December 25th, 1854. Oh my God, that was Christmas in 1854. That's awful, a massacre. Was a retaliatory attack by native Muach UTs over the killing of one of their own that resulted in the deaths of 15 men, one woman from the fort. The city had a number of orphanages and an insane asylum now called the Colorado Mental Health Institute at Pueblo which are traditional magnets for ghosts and screams. And the Great Flood of 1921 caused the deaths of over 1,500 people in the town. However, there's also the possibility that this is one of those apparitions that seem to like McDonald's restaurants. William Morgan died under mysterious Freemason-related circumstances in 1826 in Lewistown, New York and his ghost was heard rattling chains at a McDonald's on the location that was once a Masonic temple. The appearance of a mysterious giggling girl haunting the restrooms of the Idabal, Oklahoma McDonald's, and the occasional flushing with no one around incidences caused one employee there to quit without notice. The McDonald's in Cairo, Texas, is built on the site of a gas station where a child was tragically run over and killed and a mechanic was crushed to death under the car lift of the same McDonald's, causing both of their ghosts to haunt the restaurant now that it's there in place of the old gas station. If you're looking for screams, a McDonald's in Colorado Springs, just up the road from Pueblo, is haunted by the spirit of a Native American who is heard walking and rattling keys, and screams have been heard in the kitchen. Rumor has it the restaurant is built on an ancient burial mound. Special thanks to the weak and weird for these stories. The last Colorado tale makes one wonder if the McDonald's in Pueblo might also be built over a Native American graveyard, another frequent source of ghosts and scary sounds and incidences. Is anyone interested in checking? If you ask the employees, the answers are probably A, no, B, hell no, and C, you first. Would you? Hello, kids and adults in the listening audience. I'm Neil Parks, award-winning author and paranormal expert. 
I'd like to wish all of you a very happy Halloween. You are listening to Big Bad Daddy Wolf's Halloween special on 96.6 The Wolf. If you'd like to learn more about me, then you need to get to Google and search at The Neil Parks or my bookstore website, which is www.lulu.com slash spotlight slash Neil Parks. Thanks. Investigating the link between the Shadow Man phenomena and the terrifying Hat Man visitations. If the countless online accounts of paranormal investigators have taught us anything, it's that there's no shortage of terrifying supernatural entities to fear. With the internet's recent obsession with black-eyed kids and the shadow people visitations, you might not notice another paranormal phenomena that's quickly becoming part of the paranormal pulp culture consciousness. The Hat Man. Shadow men weren't really thrown into the paranormal spotlight till around 2001. And that was all thanks to the world's most prolific paranormal radio personality, Art Bell. Anyone unfamiliar with Art Bell, firstly, should be ashamed of themselves, and secondly, should go listen to every episode of Coast to Coast AM that you can get your hands on. I appeared on their program back in 2004, and that was a long time ago, but you might be able to find that in their archives. But but on top of that, there are plenty of authors, bloggers, and investigators who would love to take credit for uncovering the mysterious Shadow Man phenomena. But their first real public mention goes back to April 12, 2001, when Art interviewed Thunderstrike's First Nation elder teacher and co-founder of the Deer Tribe Metis Medicine Society. During that episode, the pair talked at length about the topic of shadow people, and even encouraged listeners to send their own drawings of the terrifying phenomenon. As it turns out, way more people than anyone could have anticipated were experiencing these frightening encounters. Over the years, these they've uh, there have been plenty of debates about whether or not these shadow people are good or evil, with many landing on both sides of the fence. Dead Files resident uh, physical medium Amy Allen has spoken quite publicly about her belief that shadow people are interdimensional entities that fall on the side of evil time and time again. Since the fateful episode of Coast to Coast AM aired, there have been countless stories, photos, and videos of shadow people uploaded. But what most people don't know is that while many were being tormented by shadow people, a select group were experiencing something similar but just a little bit different, the hat man syndrome. The hat man appears much in the same way that shadow people do, but unlike the phenomena that was made popular by Art Bell and Thunderstrikes, the hat man encounters bear a few striking differences that set it apart. When he appears, often during the night, the hat man is always seen wearing a wide-brimmed hat and though most people are unable to make out any distinct facial features, he is usually described as a solid black mass. Witnesses are often unable to describe the hat man's lower body, as if he seems to float silently above the ground. One witness said, I saw a tall human-like figure. That figure looked like a man. The man was had no distinguishable features whatsoever. I could see no eyes, no nose or mouth only blackness. He looked like a shadow, only darker, much darker. He had a very wide-brimmed hat and a long trench coat that flowed as if 
as he moved, and he stood there for what seemed like an eternity. He then moved very slowly and without sound back into the hallway, just out of view. Tim Brown says from his writing of the man, the, the uh, Hat Man Project. The phenomena seems to center around basements and, according to the experiencers, appears to manifest in situations of intense negativity and family dysfunction. In fact, many times, if one person in a household has started experiencing visits by the hat man, it's almost guaranteed that another family member will begin seeing the strange shadow man soon afterwards. Many who report experiences with the hat man believe that the entity has been present with them since their childhood. I myself have a very vivid and long run-in with what I can describe as a hat man. As for my mem- far as my memories go, I would also spot him in the same long hallway in my basement, usually paying me no attention whatsoever. I continued to have these harmless encounters for a year before he disappeared altogether, um, said one person from the Hat Man Project in their retelling. All of a sudden, this black two-dimensional being appeared. It just walked right through the door. I was paralyzed with fear. I sat there looking at it and hoping it would not notice me because I was in a dark area. It stood for a moment, and I could see the very detailed contours of its form. It wore a derby, carried a briefcase and a cane, and it appeared to be dressed like someone on a business trip or maybe a traveler. At first glance, it's easy to want to clump the hat man into the same category as shadow people. But once you do enough research, you quickly discover just how many people are having their own truly unique experiences with this strange entity, to the point where there's no doubt that the hat man is a separate phenomena altogether. Thanks to the internet age, stories about people's paranormal experiences get passed around like wildfire, and it's easy to pass them off as being hoaxes or exaggerations, But I think many of us would agree that there has to be something strange happening if thousands of people are experiencing the same thing. We don't know exactly who the hat man is or what he wants, but one thing for certain is if you see him, you might want to start examining your relationships with the people in your house. Well, that's it for today. See you next time on Paranormally Speaking. I'm Neil Parks, your host. Duh.